right, PBC, what's up? I said, PBC, what's up? Oh, man, it is such a joy to be here this morning um, to, yeah, to preach the word, something that I have the privilege and honor of, of doing. Um, as Pastor Tim said, serve as executive pastor of Mission and Vision at Roosevelt Community Church, and they send their greetings as well. Uh, unfortunately, my wife and my daughter couldn't make it here this morning because they woke up, uh, well, wife woke up not really feeling too well. So she's at home, but she's participating through the live stream. Love you, babe. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'd like to publicly express my appreciation for Pastor Tim Birdwell as well. Y'all go ahead and give God some praise for your pastor. Um, yeah, he's such a, a, a good dude. Uh, quick story uh, about Pastor Tim. Um, I randomly run into him at places. And uh, a couple months ago, I was very hungry. So I decided to go into IHOP, International House of Pancakes. Great spot. And to my surprise, I see Pastor Tim there eating some pancakes with a, a gentleman. And then afterwards, we come up and talk and stuff like that. Then a couple months after that, or probably about a month or so after that, I was filling up my gas tank uh, at Circle K. And who do I see in the next spot? Pastor Tim Birdwell filling up his, his tank of gas with his wife and his children there. So uh, not only does your pastor love pancakes, not only does he love filling up his tank. Well, I don't know if he loves filling up his tank because gas is really expensive. But I think he loves me. And I'm such... So delighted to be here this morning, preaching your sermon series titled Wisdom in This World. And tonight or today, we're going to be talking about words. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up to Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 10, specifically honing in on verses 19 and 20. I invite you to meet me in Proverbs chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't got it, say, hold on, Pastor John, hold on. I'm getting there. Let me read our passage into your hearing, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, my Bible reads, when words are many transgressions, when words are many transgressions is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. That's enough. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning that we get to open up your word, that we get to sing songs, that we get to praise you. As we come before you, to hear from your holy word, your inerrant word, we ask, Lord, that you could be able to penetrate us to the depths of our soul so that we can be able to understand what you have for us this morning. As we want to dig out wisdom that is helpful for life, we ask, Lord, that you could be able to help us this morning. 
As I always ask, Lord, please hide me behind the cross so that your word will be encouraged, your people will be edified. Lord, I ask that I don't seek to be impressive, but to seek to be impactful for your glory. Because ultimately we want to glorify you, we want to edify your church, and yes, we do want to advance your kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, I'd like to label my message this morning, communication in a world of words. If I can talk from the subject of communication in a world of words. When we think about communication, this includes the idea of talking and listening. And I think many of us, we do a really good job at the talking part but not so much with the listening. As I mentioned before, I have a a daughter. She'll be one next week. And I've been thinking about nursery rhymes over the past couple of weeks. And one of the memories I have growing up was listening to certain rhymes. Things like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Uh, Mary had a little lamb. And this one that I'm sure everyone in this room knows, and if you know it, you can say it with me, sticks and stones, but words will never hurt me. And to that, I say, what a terrible lie that is. I mean, I get the sentiment It's a phrase that's used as a defense mechanism when people are are bullying you or saying horrible things about you, and it's a way for you to cope with the idea and just saying, words will never hurt me. But if we want to tell the truth, PBC, words do hurt. Amen? Words do hurt because words matter. In fact, words are very powerful. Think about the words, the phrases, or the messages that you have heard all of your life. Maybe it's from a coach, and maybe you had that coach in in basketball and football, whatever sport that you played, and that coach was very good, gave you encouraging words. You can do it. Run fast. Shoot the ball. You got this. Or maybe that coach was not good. Maybe that coach said, why did I let you on this team? Maybe that coach said, maybe some other horrible things, right? We all have messaging from different people. Maybe it's not a coach for you. Maybe it's a parent. And maybe you had good parents. They put you to the best schools, they shepherded you, they discipled you, they, they, they coached you, they loved you. They gave you nothing but words of affirmation. But maybe, for some of you, you didn't have that. Maybe you had bad parents. Parents that said terrible things to you. Maybe you had to be removed from that home and adopted into a different home because maybe that home was more of a good environment. Maybe some of you have heard the messaging of, you're nothing. 
and you're never going to be nothing. Or maybe it's not a parent. Maybe it's from that bully at school <laughs> that says terrible, terrible things. Or maybe it's not a bully because you guys are tough here. You didn't get bullied in school. Maybe it's from your older brother or sister. Amen, somebody. <laughs> older siblings, they could be good or they could be, you know. But maybe this is not any of you here. Maybe it's the troll on social media. Ah, amen, somebody. That troll on social media, we could talk more about that, but we all have experienced words of, 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 that are positive and words that are negative. This morning, I'd like to open up God's word and see what wisdom we can discover as we dig through the depths of this ancient book with contemporary relevance. One aspect that we will learn today, PBC, is too many words leads to sin. If I can put a sermonic thrust or a main idea on this text this morning from these two verses is simply this. When we talk too much, it will definitely result into sin. At the onset, we got to look at this great book from the Old Testament that is located there, Proverbs. It's considered wisdom literature along with Song of Solomon, Job, Psalms, and others. Now, King Solomon is the main author here along with some other people. And Solomon was the son of King David. And he was the, the, the third king of Israel. He was this guy that had masterful understanding, masterful knowledge and wisdom, masterful skill and expertise. It's one of the wisest men in the Bible. Proverbs is practical wisdom literature and is written with a fatherly tone. Throughout Proverbs, when you read it, you'll see that it says sometimes, hear this word, my son. Be attentive to my words, my son. So it's written with this fatherly tone and is meant to give some type of instruction, some type of education. And I love what one commentator describes the book of Proverbs. He says, this is education in the life of wisdom. Education in the life of, of wisdom. Proverbs contain significant one-liners that are popular in a culture. An amazing book to instruct and to exhort God's people. Proverbs chapter 1 through 8 talks about the wisdom of Solomon. Proverbs chapter 10 through 31 gives more wisdom from Solomon. And one of the things about Proverbs, because I just got back from uh, a ministry trip in Tanzania and, and Kenya, my mind has been on Africa lately. And when I was in Africa, one of the Proverbs that was said was, only a fool tests the depths of a river with no feet. This particular African proverb essentially means it's not wise to jump into a situation before thinking about it. And that's what I love about Proverbs. It gives these one-liners, but it's packed with so much instruction. 
My first pastor, the Reverend Dr. Colvin Blanford, he would always tell me over and over again, John, you can learn from a fool what not to do. I can't tell you how many times he said that, but I remember it to this day. One-liners, that's what Proverbs gives. It's meant to instruct God's people in a brief, concise way for practical living. Words are so strong and powerful, God created things from his words. So we have to start with the significance of speech. For this passage, we, before we can dive into these two great verses, we have to first start at the beginning. We have to start in Genesis, the book of origins, because in Genesis chapter one is where we see how God not only created the world, and he did, he created the world very good, if I can add, Genesis 1 verse 31, but God created the world as he spoke things into existence. God made the world and spoke it into existence. We read about how he created things out of nothing, ex nihilo, as the theologians say. And what's fascinating is because when we read about the Genesis account, we see God speaks things and then they appear. God speaks things and then they appear. Let there be and there was. And the repetition all throughout that particular chapter one, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so. I love this because when we think about God's word, it, talk, it, it reveals how powerful it is because it actually creates things. And when we contrast this with the so-called ancient deities of that day, we see that they're not like our God. We see that they are completely different. We see that our personal God creates things from his word, but these so-called ancient gods, they don't speak at all. Not only they don't speak at all, they don't speak things into existence. In fact, they actually have to be carried around <laughs> because they're wooden images and statues, completely different from the God of the Bible. So when we start with speech and words, we have to start with God, amen? Because God is the creator and maker of heaven and earth. And the powerfulness of words stem from our powerful, our glorious, our majestic, our omnipotent God that gives us words to speak to others. Words are important because God is important. Therefore, his words are. And since we are created in his image and likeness, our words are essential, but not only by the content of them, but how we should communicate. We have to understand that sometimes when we talk too much, this will result into sin. As we shift over from the importance of speech, verse 19 simply reveals when there are more words than it results into sin. Verse 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. I actually like the way that the New American Standard Version of the Bible actually renders it. It says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. 
Concerning words are powerful. They should be used for the building up of one another. But so often, so often, they're used to tear down one another. They're used to give out negativity on a particular person. And even when there are too many words being spoken, it typically leads to sin. And the previous verses in chapter 10, verses 6 through 11, this gives characteristics of the mouth or the speech of the wicked. Listen to these verses. In verse 6, Solomon says, Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Verse 8, the wise in heart accepts commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. These are striking images and descriptions and qualities about the mouth, the speech of the wicked. You don't got to look too far to see this. I think a good example that we see violence out of the mouth of people is, you guessed it, social media. Do you know how many fools are on social media? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I, I, I'm not the pastor that thinks social media is evil or bad. Amen? I think with anything, things can be used in a good way and things can be used in a bad way, right? So I'm not the person that says that, you know, you need to get rid of your social media, it's, it's evil, all that. That's not me. However, there are fools on social media. You could pick the platform, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Whatever platform, there is so much, there is so much violence, negativity that comes out of the mouths of, of, of people, excuse me, church people. Followers of Jesus, I've seen how yucky and gross and foolish they can be. I experienced this firsthand. Uh, as Pastor Tim said, Roosevelt is a very diverse church. Amen. But with diversity comes diversity. <laughs> diversity in terms of theological positions, diversity in, in worship styles, diversity in ethnicity, cultures, diversity in food, Amen. I like that. But diversity in political ideology. Oh, this is the part of diversity that nobody wants to talk about. And I'm actually convinced more people, you know, diversity is like this sexy thing right now. Everybody likes diversity and stuff like that. I'm convinced that most people don't really want diversity. They actually want Assimilation. They don't want true diversity because true diversity, you have cultural collisions. But what I've learned is when the rubber meets the road, I don't want this no more. And I think when it comes to words, 
And I think when it comes to political ideology, it's amazing to me how many people earned overnight PhDs. You met those people? Where they just know everything about all types of things regarding politics, and they are the master at this. Uh, We had a situation that happened, and this was on social media, and it was interesting because this particular person uh, had a lot to say, all right, a lot. And on his Facebook thread, it was almost like a novel. It was a lot of words. And as a pastor, got wind of it, so I had to go on social media, had to read it. By the way, I'm just going to let you know, Pastors, we don't want to read stuff on social media from your congregation. Just saying that. So if you want to help Pastor Tim and the other elders out here, just be mindful of what you put on social media. Amen? All right. So as I was reading this, and it was so much stuff, I can't go into all the details, but let's just say it was so many words, and this brother offended a lot of his brothers and sisters in the Christ. Because when there's too many words, it will result into into sin. And if I can just say this too, because I know you guys got a membership class coming up um, after after I finish preaching. When it comes to social media, you should know, first and foremost, as a follower of Jesus, you can't just say whatever you want, how you want it, because it's your social media. First, as a Christian, but secondly, for those that are members here of Phoenix Bible Church. Because what you communicate, what you say, is in some ways an extension, whether you see it or not, because you're representing PBC. Yeah? So, again, just as a gentle caution of warning, when we think about words, we should be mindful of what we say and what we post because too many words will lead to sin. Perhaps you're not on social media. Maybe this doesn't fit you because you're like, I don't want to do it with social media. I would still say that you're not off the hook though. Maybe you're married or you're in a relationship. You have kids, you have coworkers, you have classmates. And sometimes when you talk too much because they have riled you up. This can also lead to sin. I don't want to act like I think everyone knows sin is. I know sin is that word in our culture that we tend to may not talk about a lot because it's uncomfortable and whatnot. So when we think about sin, what I'm trying to say is it's really like an archery term. When you think about like the actual bullseye, you think about the bow and arrow, think about it like this. Sin is missing the mark of God's standard. And his standard is holiness. So we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have missed the bullseye of God's holiness. We're all in the same boat. So when the Bible talks about sin, that is essentially what it is communicating. All right? So with that, we all have missed the bullseye of God's standard when it comes to how we communicate with one another. We all are guilty. But it's important and mindful that we 
know this because we should honor God in our speech and in our communication. When there are words, when there are more words than needed to be, then sin will be present. But we also have to understand restraining is the path towards wisdom. Restraining is the path towards wisdom. In Proverbs, there's a general contrast that is talked about the wise and the fool, and it demonstrates one who is prudent. Somebody say prudent. Prudent simply is the idea of acting in a way that makes sense. Uh, It's acting in a way that makes sense. When you think about somebody that really thinks about their family and they think about investments, right? Here's a financial example of somebody who is is prudent. So when you think about your children and your children's children, in fact, Proverbs actually talks about the idea of like a good person leaves inheritance for their children's children. So the idea of being prudent or being wise is to probably set up some type of account that maybe can compound interest over time and then your children, children don't have to struggle all their life, right? That's what prudent essentially is trying to communicate. So it's acting in a way that makes sense. Now, what's interesting is that you notice the tongue and the heart are combined in verses 19 and 20. Most likely because this reveals what is going on in the inside of a person. Earlier in Proverbs, The heart is the core of who a person is, their personality, their character, essentially who you truly are before God. Proverbs 4.23 talks about from the heart, out of the heart. We should guard our hearts because out of the heart flows the wellsprings of life. And if that is true, then that includes our words. So in actuality, when we are boiling up with inside of ourselves and we want to let somebody have it, essentially it reveals our hearts before God. It reveals who we truly are before God. And if we don't restrain from speaking too much here, here's what can happen. The New Testament version of Proverbs is the book of James. Here's what James says about the tongue. The tongue is, is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, set on fire by hell. The tongue, our mouths, speech. I wish I could tell you that I'm perfect at this, but I'm not. And one example that I vividly remember was at a Phoenix Suns basketball game. I'm originally from Philadelphia, so I'm a Sixers fan. I know, I know. Uh, The Phoenix Suns were playing the Philadelphia 76ers, just happened last year. And at the game, uh, long story short, um, there was a, individual that worked for the arena that, let's just say, he he ticked me off. I'm just going to say that. And because he ticked me off, I let him have it. I know, I know, confession, confession. I didn't use any cuss words, though, but I did let him have it. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I was actually reminded about this is in me, too. Now, thankfully, 
at the end of the night, I was able to go up to him and apologize and ask for forgiveness. And he was actually so drunk. He was like, oh, you're okay, bro. It's all right. But in my heart of hearts, this is something I have to deal with too, even as a pastor. So we are not alone in this. When we are able to restrain, to resist from talking too much, it is the path towards wisdom. But if I can just say this, PBC, the ultimate wisdom is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. He's the perfect model. He's the perfect example of restraining himself on the cross. I mean, think about this. This is the second person of the Trinity. He has all power, all glory. He can call down angels to come and wipe out the Roman soldiers if he wanted to. But on the cross, he restrained himself so that people like you and me can be adopted into his family through faith and repentance and trust in Messiah Jesus. So if you are here this morning and you're on your spiritual journey, you're asking questions. Maybe you're on a path of foolishness and in wisdom. My encouragement is to trust in the God of wisdom. He suffered, he died, he rose from the grave, he conquered sin and death. And the message of the gospel is that anyone who believes and trusts in him for salvation, they will have eternal life. They will have life more abundantly. They can have the wisdom that is found and wrapped up in these pages. If you truly believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is for people like you and me. And for those that are Christian and have been a Christian a long time, I would also add the gospel is still for you. The gospel not only saves us, but the gospel keeps us and sustains us. We never graduate from the gospel. The good news of Jesus means we can have new life. And this gives us hope in this life. And we can have wisdom in this world. As I come to a close, here are a couple practical nuggets as we reflect on speech. One, question yourself. What I mean by that is question yourself before speaking in a particular situation. Here's at least three questions you can ask to see if it may be wise. One, here's a question. Will this honor God? Will this honor God? So the next time you're at a game and somebody pisses you off, you can ask the question, will this honor God? Amen? Here's another question. Is this helpful? Meaning, is this going to be beneficial or helpful for the individual that I'm uh, communicating with? Is this helpful? And lastly, will this build up this brother or sister? Or will it tear them down? Is it going to encourage them? Is it going to help them? Is it going to uh, encourage them in their faith? Or is it going to tear them down? Listen, if all of those answers are no, then you probably shouldn't say it. You probably shouldn't say it. We shouldn't speak too much, but when we do, it needs to be seasoned with salt. It needs to be grace-filled. Grace is the undeserved love, the undeserved favor that none of us <laughs> earn. And grace is what keeps us together as a community. So our words need to be grace-filled. Ephesians 4.29 
communicates this idea. And then another thing is, of course, wisdom and intentionality. Wisdom and intentionality. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. There are ways we need to, I would say, put off the old self and put on the new self. To be clothed in humility, to be clothed in righteousness, to be clothed in love, to be clothed in mercy and grace. Many of us have had obscene speech, but when the Lord changes us from the inside out, we are different. We are a new creation. We are not the old John. We are not the old person that we used to be. We are made new. This is the result when God gets a hold of you, Yahweh, the personal God of the Bible. And in those moments when we are speaking, if you ask him, he will give you the words to communicate in a given situation. He will give you wisdom because he is the source of wisdom. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are the God of wisdom. Many of us may be on different paths, asking different questions, struggling with different things. I just want to pray for that brother or that sister that's here this morning or maybe even participating in online, that you would be able to answer their prayers and give them wisdom. Give them wisdom that they need in order for godly living. Surround them with people that love them, that care for them, that want them to succeed in this Christian life. Surround them with a community. Surround them with your word so that they can gain wisdom in this world. I ask, Lord, for those people that have said things, even this morning, maybe to their wife, to their husband, to their children. I ask, Lord, that you be able to, as they call out and ask for forgiveness and to confess the obscene speech they may have, Lord. Because your word in 1 John says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen.